0: You either love them or you hate them. Either way, welcome to the away fixture, your home for all things Premier League. I'm your host, Dakota Rock, coming at you from the away section for stadiums across England. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the away fixture. I know I've been gone for a while now, I know it was longer than I anticipated and expected, but I'm back bringing you the breakdown of the Premier League from the previous week and the biggest news going down in the league. I want to extend a huge thank you to all my listeners out there who have stuck with me through this absence here. Let's get into it, waste no time here. So some crazy things have happened since I've been gone. United have climbed up the table into the second spot and also sat top of the league for a few weeks as well, which, especially me as a United fan... Couldn't have seen coming at the beginning of the year. Liverpool has started to slip. Lampard has been sacked. West Ham are taking the league by shock. Aston Villa continue to have an impressive start. And don't get me started on Jay Lings. Jay Lings got his brace in his first game with West Ham after his loan move from Man United. Alright, so biggest topic today. It's going to be a contrasting little bit of an episode here. I'm going to talk the fall of Liverpool and the rise of Man City right now. First, I'm going to talk about the slipping Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. First off, I want to offer my condolences to Jurgen Klopp, who has recently lost his mother and due to travel restrictions within Europe, was unable to attend her funeral this past Tuesday. Up until January 4th, when Liverpool dropped a crucial match against Southampton, it looked like they were all well on their way to another title-chasing season. On January 4th, though, Southampton had other words for that, beating Liverpool 1-0 at St. Mary's, which allowed United to jump them in the table after defeating Burnley at Turf Moor the following day. Since Liverpool have been on the downslope of the mountain that they once stood on after winning both the league and Champions League last year. Since losing to Southampton, Liverpool are 2-1-3 with two good wins against Tottenham and West Ham, but some ugly losses against Brighton 0 one Burnley, 0-1, and then this 4-1 loss to City this past weekend might have other words to say about that. The tie came against United, 0-0. In these games, Liverpool have single, single-handedly controlled possession of the ball, but as we know in soccer, possession of the ball doesn't always equal goals. The thing that Liverpool are lacking right now, if you watch them, they can get shots on goal, or not shots on goal, they get shots. Their shots to shots on goal the margin between those two are very significant shots are being taken but the meaningful shots and shots on target has been a small percentage of the overall shots what they're missing is a little lack of creativity they're lacking creativity in and around the box has led to this Firmino isn't really getting it done as the nine sala is expected to do a lot more than he's capable of and showing he can't do it all on his own Mane is struggling at the moment to produce goals to produce shots quality chances on goal and injuries have also hurt Liverpool I mean we can't forget about the injuries that have significantly impacted their season Virgil van Dijk going down at the very beginning of the season against Everton after that tackle from Jordan Pickford he's expected to be back in the summer Joe Gomez another center back expected back in the summer Joe Matip an ankle injury expected back in the summer. Jota, his knee injury, he's back in training. He hasn't come back yet. Keita, unknown fitness issue. His return is supposedly imminent. Fabinho is also out with a minor muscle is- issue right now. He's expected to be back really soon too. So we can't forget the injuries. I mean, Liverpool have faced a very injury plague season. All those injuries. I mean, that's their three center back choices right now I mean they have Jordan Henderson who is a natural midfielder playing even in a deeper role than he's used to playing as a center back which has done exceptionally well at since being called upon to do that and that's kind of what you expect from Jordan Henderson though you expect Jordan Henderson to take what he's told to do and kind of run with it and Jordan Henderson has been one of those jack-of-all-trades player who can play very calmly on the ball he plays very good passes he's very calm on the ball ball very skillful very vocal he's a great leader his defensive defensive awareness on the field is fantastic and it's exactly what you need in a center back but he's just not a center back he needs to be on the ball more I think Jordan Henderson loves to get on the ball a lot more and as a center back you're not going to get that from Jordan Henderson as much as you would as a center mid as you would if he was playing in the center mid Thiago has continually been great i mean there's only so much players can do really it really takes a team effort and it's getting to liverpool i think it's getting to Jurgen Klopp you're getting Jurgen Klopp and we'll talk about it in a minute but you're getting him making comments that you're normally not used to Jurgen Klopp making We're going to go back to the games. Some very stats that I have found to be extraordinary, to say the least. The loss Liverpool suffered against Burnley on January 21st was the first time that Liverpool were beaten at, at Anfield in 68 straight Premier League games when Ashley Barnes converted on a penalty kick four minutes from time. That was also not only... Liverpool's first defeat at Anfield in 68 straight games, but it was Burnley's first win at Anfield in 46 years. Imagine playing a team for 46 years away and you have never beaten them. Imagine doing that and then you come 46 years later and you beat the title defending champions one nothing, not going to get into the penalty, but It's just the fact that that's amazing. I mean, you as a player, as a fan, I know Burnley fans were happy about that. I mean, it was amazing to see. You can always count on Burnleys of the world to do those types of stuff. And I think every Premier League season needs a type of Burnley, a team that might not be the most fun to watch, might not get the results a lot of times, but you can always count on one or two of them a year. And that was their one I guess. Liverpool were also held scoreless during a four-game span, which included the Newcastle game on December 30th, Southampton game on January 4th, and then the United game on January 17th before the Burnley game ended. They went four straight games without scoring. That's the first time Liverpool have gone four straight games without scoring in 21 years. Again, it's another amazing feat, and this goes back to... You can credit all the Liverpool staff members who have been there, the Liverpool teams, the players. I mean, we're talking Steven Gerrard, we're talking Luis Suarez, Fernando Torres, Lucas Leiva, I mean, Martin Skirtle, Pepe Reina. I mean, we're talking all these amazing Liverpool players who have attributed to these amazing stats the 21 years. Imagine going 21 years, not like scoring a goal and four straight games imagine always finding a way to end droughts quickly and Liverpool finally ended the drought but it's just the fact that they've never gone four straight games without scoring in 21 years and all of a sudden it's this year we're going to get into kind of Jurgen Klopp so Jurgen Klopp's most recent comments before the game against City I'm not sure if Jurgen Klopp's playing mind games anymore. I'm not sure if he's, like, seriously considering what he's being said or he's just trying to play mind games, throw City off. City is on kind of a run right now, so I'm not sure if he's just trying to throw them off. But Klopp blamed a lack of physical and mental freshness for Liverpool's 1-0 de- defeat to Brighton on Wednesday, which stretchered their winless run at home to four games. Which, again, I mean, that's we're talking about runs. We're talking about games. I mean... To go winless at home for four games is very odd, especially for a team like Liverpool, who have the players. They have the players to win games, even with the injuries going on. I mean, even without all those injuries I stated earlier, to go four straight games without winning at home is pretty shocking. But Klopp's statements were, we haven't had a break, he said in his pre-match presser on the Friday before. He goes, I think City had a two-week break for COVID reasons. It's really tough. It's a tough season for many teams. Okay, Jurgen, we're talking about very different times than we're normally used to in a Premier League or in, in life in general. But to say you haven't had a break and then go on to say City had a two-week break for COVID reasons, there's a lot of teams other than you who haven't had a break so i'm not sure where we're hitting at where you can be like okay are the reason why we're sliding pretty much is because we haven't had a break Jurgen, again there's a lot of teams who haven't had a break man i mean i'm not sure like i don't know where you're trying to get at i just don't like i said i don't know if he's trying to play mind games if he's actually serious about this but to me that's a weak excuse i mean if you're going to make excuses for slipping just be honest say you haven't played well there's state the reasons why you think don't just automatically point it to the fact that you haven't had a break and then say city had a two-week break and pep would go on to hit back at klopp stating we had covid we had one week and we played with 14 players at stanford bridge so i mean i don't know i mean yeah pep and klopp i mean i'm not sure how much i enjoy that Klopp comment I mean I think he's just kind of making excuses I think he he came in the Liverpool he had a kind of rocky first season but then he's been on a roll since he's been at Liverpool he's turned that he turned he has turned that team around pretty much and I think he's just I think the excuses are st- the season starting to get to him one cuz it has to be a very mental draining season the fact that you're playing multiple games a week you're having games canceled Games are getting moved and all this stuff. I think it is very mental draining. But we got to come up with better reasonings why things are happening the way they are. Because I'm not here to entertain, oh, we haven't had a break when there's other teams. There's 18 other teams in the league who haven't had that much of a break either. I think there's only like one or two teams that have had at least a week or two break because of COVID. And Austin Villa was one of them when they had their major breakout. But other than that, it's not... Like every team's getting breaks here, here and there. So that's my take. Liverpool are starting to slip. On the back end of that, though, when one team falls, one team rises, and the blue moon are blue moon is rising atop the Ntiad Stadium. City are currently on a 14 game unbeaten streak. They are on 12 of those 14 have been wins having last lost 2-0 to a Jose Mourinho Tottenham side with a game in hand on everybody else. City currently sit at the top of the table, five points clear of their neighbors, Manchester United with a current form of 5-0 with a 16-1 goal-to-goals-against ratio. Pep, save some. I mean, you're peaking in January. You don't know if this is going to last. Save some, save some goals for the other teams. Let everybody catch up. At least make the title chase a little interesting. Give us at least a little chance. To, what do you say? I mean, you got United over there s- scratching for points, getting late goals at the end of the game. You're here cruising 16-1 to goals to goals against ratio in the last five games, which, are win, which you have won them all. I mean, give us a little bit here. Send us a goal or two so we don't have to bite our nails at the end of every game. And United fans are left scratching our heads to figure out how we end up, given a goal away in the 95th minute against an Everton team who we should have never lost to or tied but United Scott McTominay remember the name if you're not on the Scott McTominay bandwagon get on the Scotty McSauce McTominay bandwagon right now or you're gonna get left behind because that man is on an absolute roll back to city so KDB recently went down with an injury and they have showed no signs of slowing down From the back line with John Stones, Ruben Diaz, to the midfield with Gundogan and Foden, this team is pulling some major contributors right now. First big contributor we're going to talk about is Gundogan. He moved the city in 2016 for 21 million pounds. This year, in the last 11 Premier League appearances, Gundogan has tallied 9 goals and 1 assist. That's more than his past 2 seasons combined. He did what he did in 2 seasons combined in 11 games. And that's just since the end of November. I mean, that is phenomenal, Phenomenal, but I was reading, and this a lot of credit I've been seeing dealt is to the Manchester City's assistant, Juanma Lillo, who has helped Gundogan kind of find a new role within the team. This role kind of allows him to roam a little higher in the field when the team is in possession instead of dropping back into a more traditional eight role, and you kind of see it paying off too. Cancelo when he pushes into the midfield as a right back this allows Gundogan to make more runs into the box more often to get into positions to score more goals than you normally that you normally see from a player playing in the 9 position. So Gundogan's not scoring bangers from 30 out as a deep line midfielder. He's scoring goals within the box, goals that you can like kind of poach in, goals that are come balls that are coming across the box. He's kind of putting them away there in the 4 League games since December 15th of 2020 in which Gundogan didn't score three of them featured a center forward. So in four games in three of the four games that he has not scored featured a center forward. That's pretty impressive. The fact that he's kind of playing that eight role and that nine role all at the same time and not having a nine in there, it allows him to roam a little higher. It allows him to stay a little higher without kind of getting in, um, Sergio Aguero's kind of area, it's not Sergio Aguero, it's Kun Aguero, that's my bad. But you see it paying off, the fact that he's higher, he's gaining the positions, and those are kind of, you knew Gundogan was a good player when he was with Dortmund before he came to City. And I think we're finally starting to see the Gundogan that Pep Guardiola saw when he brought him in. The fa- the Gundogan that Jurgen Klopp had saw when he was in Dortmund together when he was playing in Dortmund and you're kind of seeing that another Phil another contributor I'm sorry I got a little ahead of myself Phil Foden has also been a huge contributor for the citizens this year after failing to find consistent time last year which led to a lot of England fans wanting him to leave city over the summer to find more time or even go on loan to find more time the patience that this kid has had in Pep Guardiola's plan for him all along And Pep Guardiola's patience in the kids' development has paid off huge dividends for the citizens and the run that they are on and the ability they have to win the league, the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, and the Champions League. Phil Foden is a player here to stay. You heard it here first. He's going to get his time. He should be the first name on the England sheet when it comes to Euros, World Cup, World Cup qualifiers, Euro qualifiers, whatever it is. And the kid is only 20 years old. Phil Foden is only 20 years old contributing the way he is with the abilities that he has. That's scary. Every team should be scared of where this kid's going to go in the next three, four years. Phil Foden is sitting on 10 goals and six assists in all competition and call competitions and is gaining a lot of fire right now in form we're going to talk about the Liverpool game a little bit Phil Foden played four different roles in this game he started in a central role dropping deep to overload the midfielder kind of playing as a false nine at other times he was playing as a regular striker one that's staying high one that's getting the ball holding it up combining with the midfielders and there were other times he played on the left wing and the right wing taking on defenders 1v1. To play four different roles in one game is very different. You don't hear about it a lot. But the versatility that Foden has shows right there. And it also shows how easy it is for Pep to change things up. Pep has the team to change things up. And, I mean, it's fun to watch Pep. I mean, Pep is, as a coach, I love watching Pep. I love studying him. I love seeing how he uses different formations and different roles to get the best out of his players and it's really fun to watch. Speaking of Phil Foden, we're going to speak of the England team here and how this kind of goes into the England team. Phil Foden has been one of the stars within the England kind of camp a little bit when it comes to domestic games, comes to domestic competition here. So I found a picture earlier or I found a comparison of the midfielders the four top midfielders for the england squad potentially so the comparisons of the midfielders i'm going to compare phil foden with mason mount of chelsea jack dreilish of aston villa and james madison of leicester city so phil foden has played in 17 matches this year 60 minutes per match he's averaged he has five goals and three assists Just in the Premier League I know I talked about 10 goals, 6 assists in all competitions These are just Premier League numbers He has shots per minute Or yeah, shots per match 1.7 at 18% Key passes 1.4 Touches per match 40.8 Accuracy of passes per match 88% Remember those numbers here Mason Mount has 22 matches 82 minute average per match 3 goals, 3 assists 2.0 for the shots, 2.5 for key passes, 70.5 touches, 43, 87% accuracy of passes. So when we're just looking at Phil Foden and Mason Mount, Phil Foden blows Mason Mount out of the water. Yes, he has 0.3 less of shots, 0.9 or 1.1 key passes less, bunch of touches less, but we're talking about the fact that Phil Foden has played in, what is it, six, five, five less games than Mason Mount and has averaged 22 less minutes a game. Unreal. Jack Grealish, 21, 90 minutes per match, six goals, 10 assists, 2.2 in shots, 3.6 key passes, 65.6 touches. Again, you're looking at that and Mason, Phil Foden's right there with Jack Grealish when it comes to numbers with less games. Except for the goals and assists, Jack Grealish is the most involved out of the four midfielders that I'm comparing when it comes to goals and assists within his team. James Madison matches 21, 70 minutes per match. Goals and assists, six goals, five assists. Shots per match, 2.2. Key passes, two. Touches, 49.7. Accuracy of passes, 83. So when it comes to the accuracy of passes, Phil Foden is leading them. When it comes to touches he has less but i mean when you look at this kid this kid plays all kinds of different roles and he's not the main focal point of that city team city have so many weapons where they don't have just one threat They don't have just one player. They kind of run everything through. When you have watched Chelsea, they run everything. They like to run everything through the middle. So Mason Mount's getting the touches that he needs. He's getting the more touches. He's getting the matches. He's Jack Grealish, the same thing. A lot of Aston Villa's attack runs through Jack Grealish. James Madison, a lot of Leicester City's attack runs through James Madison. So Phil Foden should be one of the players on this England team that is in the starting lineup every time they have camp. He should be at least the first one off the bench if he doesn't start just because of rotational issues. The thing about Phil Foden though that we have to remember is the last time he went with England he got suspended for the last the he got sent home early with Mason Greenwood for that incident in Iceland. If Phil Foden can put that behind him keep his head down for the rest of his career that kid is going to go places and that kid could easily help England to a world cup England I know a lot of people hate to say it they say oh England are never going to win a world cup try being a U.S. fan come on now you guys shouldn't complain about anything at least you guys get far at least you guys get to the world cup we lose to Trinidad and Tobago and we get to sit at home watching the world cup on our couches that's all changing though U.S. are coming back U.S. got some very exciting things England have some very excited young talent I believe we have hit this turn of the mark within our lives where the most exciting players right now and the ones who are going to bring home glory to teams and countries who have not had glory for a very long time are going to be the ages of 18 to 22. It's not going to be the veteran players who have been in the league for years and years and who have 50 plus caps for the national teams. It's going to be the very young players who don't have many national caps and who don't have many national team experience who are going to bring home the glory for one of these countries in the next few world cups key questions for city though that i do have are when champions league starts back up the schedule is going to get very congested because they will be in four different competitions still the fa cup the carabao cup even though the carabao cup's almost done champions league and then the premier league where is pep going to put his kind of focus because City have never won the Champions League. They haven't won the Premier League in a while. So the question is where Pep's going to put his focus for this team. Where is he going to rest players? Where are you going to find him taking players who are normally in the starting lineup and resting them a little bit more? But if they can keep it up and if maybe the gap closes a little bit, the gap doesn't necessarily need to close before this, but mark it down in your calendars, guys circle it six seven times march 6th march 6th at the Etihad stadium at 9 a.m central time so 10 p- 10 a.m eastern time all eyes will be on the city of manchester when city take on united in what could be the title determining game so we kind of talked about city we've talked about liverpool We talked about some crazy stuff that's happened. We talked about England a little bit. We talked about the United States, guys. I'm gonna get ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and get ready to sign off. If you don't follow me, if this is your first time listening, if I finally came across your timeline and you wanted to give me a listen, thank you. Make sure to go to subscribe, give me a rating, follow me on social media. It's at the away fixture on both Twitter and Instagram, also on Facebook. So give me a follow, give me a listen. I'm going to get into more of a habit to get these things to you. Work, I finally found a rhythm with work. Work got very busy after the Thanksgiving holiday. Christmas time, January has been very busy. I'm finally getting into a rhythm there. So I should be able to find more time to bring you guys episodes. I did really miss it. I missed all of you guys. It's not... It was hard for me not to have time to do this because I enjoy sitting behind a mic, kind of talking to myself, watching this little recording thing go side to side, looking at my notes. But that's it for me, guys. Until next time on The Away Fixture, stay frosty. Peace.